May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad that you're here today because today we're kicking off a brand new series called Inside Out. Um, Now, in 2014, a group called the Pew Research Group did a survey and they found that just over 70% of the people in this country identify themselves as Christian. Just over 70%, which means that 173 million out of the 245 million people that are in this country identify themselves as Christians. Now, do we look like a country where 70% of the people are really Christians? No, no, we don't, and why? Because the problem is, is that although 70% of the people in the survey identified themselves as Christians, we can't identify them as Christians. And the reason we can't is because 70% of our country doesn't act like a Christian. A Christian is someone who has had an initial experience with Jesus Christ, where Jesus forgives them for everything that they've ever done. And then Jesus comes to be a part of their life and begins to transform their life. And none of us look at our country and say that that describes 70% of the population. Now, I think there's lots of reasons why, but I think, you know, initially I would say that it doesn't describe our country because 70% of our population have not had that initial salvation experience with Jesus Christ. That's just not true for that many people. But of the people who have, I think that the biggest reason that their lives don't look like what we think of as a Christian is because those changes that God started in their life when they became a Christ follower did not last. They didn't last. They got started, but they didn't last. And I'll be honest, I've kind of experienced something similar in my own life. I mean, there's been plenty of times, you know, when I've made changes. And look, I'll be honest, like I'm really good at making that initial change. Like I'm really good at getting change started. But that's not my problem. Making it last is. You know, I mean, I've made changes to try to, you know, be a better husband, to be a better dad, just to be a better person. And I, I do pretty good for like six weeks, like maybe two months. <laughs> and then after a while, I'm back to being the same old Mike that Amy's been trying to fix for years. You know, it's true. And the truth, I'll bet most of us have experienced something similar. I'll bet most of us, at some point in our life, we have tried to make some real meaningful change. But sure enough, six weeks, maybe two months later, we've kind of backed our old self. And look, by the way, you don't even have to believe in God to know that kind of thing is true. Even people who don't believe in God understand that this, is, this happens a lot. And the reason is, is because look, We've gotten to the point where almost none of us even make New Year's resolutions anymore. Because what's the point? Because we all know that we're going to be back to our old selves come Valentine's Day, right? So we don't even bother. And so here's the deal. 
God wants to not only make changes in our lives, but he wants those changes to last. And furthermore, God doesn't want those changes to be limited to just the spiritual part of our lives. Okay, look, God wants you to become a better husband, a better wife, a better dad, a better mom, a better student, a better a better boss, a better employee, a better leader, you know, pretty much a better everything. Why? Because God cares about every part of your life, and God wants to have control over every part of your life. Look, God don't want to be just marginalized to whatever you do on Sundays. God wants to have a part in every part of your life. And I got to be honest with you, after studying for this series, I now understand why at times in my life I tried to initiate and make some change, but I just simply could not make it last. Like, I I understand it now. And today, God is going to show you the very same things that he showed me. So I'm telling you, God wants change in your life to last. Because, look, what if I were to tell you there really is a way to make change last? What, What if I were to tell you, if there really is a way that you can, that God could make some initial changes, but six weeks later, you don't revert back to your old self. Look, let me just give you a little peek behind the curtain here. This isn't actually the topic that we had planned to talk about for this entire series. We had planned on talking about this topic at all. We actually, we're going to do something completely different for this, this fall series. But in researching for that other stuff, God opened my mind, and I was able to see this for the very first time. So we we jettisoned all that other stuff that we had planned, and we decided that we're going to talk about what God shows us and teaches us about how to make change last. I'm telling you, I don't think that God would do that if he didn't have something incredible for all of us. And by the way, we're not the only ones whoever tried to change but couldn't make that change last. In the Bible, there's a group of people that lived in the town of Ephesus that faced the very same struggles that we face. And look, when Christianity first came to the city of Ephesus, oh, I'm telling you, man, people like revolutionized their lives. I mean, man, they were changing and God was doing some incredible things. In fact, it was so incredible that the apostle Paul, when he came to Ephesus, saw all that God was doing and and witnessed all that was happening. And Paul decided that he would stay in that city of Ephesus for almost three years. He preached and taught every single week in the church there. But then a few years after Paul left, he got word that the people in Ephesus that many of them had gone back to living like they were in their former lifestyle before they became Christ followers. And so Paul writes back to them because he realizes that making initial change wasn't their problem, making change last was. And so he starts off with a pretty stiff warning. Here's what he says. Go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's, re- let's read it together. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says this. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. And by the way, when he says the word Gentiles, he just simply means unbelievers. And so what he's saying is like, don't live like you don't believe. Don't live like you don't believe. 
And then Paul describes what's going to happen if they don't change for good. He says, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They've got no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Which, by the way, if you're not really sure that you need to change, like, this is a good reason to listen up. Because, look, let, let's face it. A lot of people in our area, our area, you know, don't really feel like they need to change. You know I mean? You know, things are good. You know, the career's good. The kids are good. We live in a nice house. Like, life is good. So, like, why should I change? I, I, I understand that. And Paul understands that, too. Which is why Paul decides he's going to give the Ephesians a glimpse of what their life is going to look like if they continue to travel down that road where they don't make lasting change, where they don't change for good. And here's what he says to them in in, in a nutshell. He says, look, if you keep going down this road, eventually at some point, your life is going to be separated from the life that God has for you, the life that God wants for you. And once that happens, then your heart will begin to harden. Your mind will begin to harden against God. And the things that used to really bother you won't really bother you anymore. And a lot of us have kind of experienced that. I mean, there's some things in your life that used to really bother you. But you know, you've just kind of become accustomed to them. And so you know what? That kind of stuff just doesn't bother you near as much anymore. And that's because there's a hardening of our hearts and conscience and our minds. And so what he says is that, and if you let that continue, he's telling the Ephesians, you will eventually travel so far down that road that you will be so consumed with your own pleasure and finding your own happiness that you won't even see it anymore. And you will become one of those people that is so self-centered and is so self-absorbed that no one else and nothing else will even matter any longer. That's who you will become. You know, for us, that ought to make us like sit up and take notice. Let's perk up a little bit and go, okay, well then what do I need to do to change for good? Well, actually I'm so glad that you asked. And so let's ask this question. What does God say about how to change for good? Here's the first thing. Here's your first feeling. The way I think must change before my actions will change. The way I think must change before my actions, my actions will change. Um, Paul says that in order to make change last, to, to change for good, we've got to change the way we think. And to make his point, he gives us an illustration. Here's what he says. In Ephesians 4, 21, he says, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature. Now I want you to circle the two words, throw off. Circle those. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature. I want you to circle the words, put on. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, when Paul says to throw off and to put on, he uses the same language 
that you would use to describe someone that throws off clothing and puts on clothing. That's the imagery that we get there. And so really what Paul says is like, hey, you know what? Your old habits, like your old way of life, that stuff that God doesn't approve on, you know what you need to do? You just need to throw it off. You need to just, just, just take those things and just like, a, like an old coat, just throw them off. And then what you need to do is the things that God does want you to do, you just need to put those things on. Just like you'd put on a new jacket, just put on those new habits, just put on those new ways of doing things, those new way of acting, that new way of talking, just put that on. Once you do that, like you're good, that's all you need to know. To which you and I look at that and we go, I've already tried that. Like, I don't have any problems like making some initial changes. My problem is making those changes last. So Paul, thank you for your explanation, but that's just a little too simple. That just simply does not work. Paul would look you and I, he would look us just dead in the eye, and he would say, it does work, and it is that simple. You just missed what I said to you in the middle of these verses. Look at it, verse 23, he says this. He says, instead, let, and I want you to underline all of verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This means that, look, you, that, that, that change will only last if you let God change the way that you think. Look, this is why the change that you tried to make before didn't stick. Look, you, you tried to change the externals. You tried to change like where you go and what you do and your habits and your routines and that kind of thing. All that stuff that you can see. <laughs> and he's like, none of that is going to really change until you change, let God change the internals. It starts internally, and it starts with the way that you think. I honestly, I, I think it's significant that Paul talks about changing the way that you think and not just changing the way how you feel. Did you notice that? He talks about that because, look, if you made all your decisions based on your emotions, you did all your changing based on how you feel, well, then when your emotions change, what is that going to say about your decisions? I mean, has anybody ever made an emotional decision and the next day you get up and you're like, that was the best decision I ever made? I mean, have you, has anybody ever made an emotional decision, I mean, or an impulsive decision, and then look back on it and go, I am so glad I did that? No, like almost never, because we would never have made those decisions if we weren't emotional at the time. And so God says through Paul that we have to allow him to change our thinking. And when we do that, that's when lasting change really occurs. Let me give you an example of my own, from my own life. Um, a number of years ago, God, God decided that he wanted to change the way that I thought internally. And I'm, I'm gonna take this off just because it'll make it a little bit easier. God decided he wanted to change the way I thought internally about money. Yeah, he wanted to change the way that I thought about money. Because here's the thing, um, growing up as a kid, I, I was a saver. 
Like I was not a spender. Like I, I didn't buy anything. I just saved and saved and saved and saved. And as a result, I became miserly. Like I became stingy. I, I was not a generous person. Now look, here's the thing. Like I was, I brought up, was brought up in church, and so like I always gave God what I was required to give Him, but never a penny more. I'm just telling you, like that's how I was. And then, and and that attitude just continued to grow through my life. And then, like most men, God decides He's going to change my view on money, the way I think about money on the inside, by using my wife. Yeah, that's how it happens for most guys. God just uses our wife to like get to us, right? And so let, let me tell you how this went down. Um, my wife and I, like we were um, scheduled to go on a date night, and like we'd had a really long, busy week, and so we decided we're going to do something chill, like we're just going to go to the movies, and we're going to go to dinner and a movie, that's what we're going to do that night. And so uh, now, I'm the kind of person, I was the kind of person like, hey, like, I would not put anything on a credit card like, at all. We, we paid cash or, like, we didn't do it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad, you know, uh, approach. It's actually a good approach. I really just would take it to an extreme. Um, and so, anyway, so I knew that I had enough cash for dinner, but I really didn't have enough cash for the movie. So, we, we walk up to the movie counter, and uh, the little kid the little teenage dude behind the glass says, you know, $18, please. So I reached in my pocket, and I'm not kidding you, I pulled out this gigantic wad of nickels and dimes and pennies, and I just, I just tossed it right in the train. It was like, kablam! And, I, and then I, and I said, hey, it's all there. I counted it before I left the house after I robbed the change jar. And, the, and this little kid just looks at me like, he's like, he just can't believe I just did this. And he looks at the change, and he looks at me, and he just says, just go. Like, like, just, like he doesn't even count it. He's like, just, just go. And I look back, and Amy's back there. She's got her head in her hands like this, just doing this. And I, I'm sure she's just praying, oh, God, please don't let there be anybody here that we know. This is horrible. And so then, so we get inside. And, uh, we, and we get there, and, and so I, I was like, hey, let's get in line for some popcorn. She looks at me, I was like, hey, no problem. I got a whole other pocket right here with plenty of change in it. And, she, and actually, I don't remember much after that because that's when she smacked me really hard. So, um, <clears throat> but God used that experience to initiate some change in my mind and how I thought about money. Because like, we think about money all the time, don't we? But the problem is, we don't think about it like God thinks about it. And God, help me understand that when God thinks about money, he thinks about money as a tool to be used and not an item to be hoarded. And so God showed me that, <clears throat> that money is a tool to be used to help those that are less fortunate. It's a tool to be used to help build the kingdom of God here on this earth. It's, it's a tool to be used to help us deepen and maintain friendships. It's a tool to be used to help deepen my trust in God. And, to, and when I give it away, it helps me become less materialistic. It's a tool to be used to help the church minister to needs in the world and minister to needs in our community. I'm telling you, when God changed all of that in my mind, it changed everything for me. 
It changed it all because I thought about money a lot. I just never thought about it like God thought about it. And because all those things I cognitively knew, but that's just not how I thought about money. I always just thought about money as like, hey, this is yours, God, and the rest is mine to do whatever I want to. And God had to do a work to, to change my way of thinking. I'm telling you, like that made all the difference. And see, most of us, we think about money all the time. We just don't think about it the way that God thinks about it. And so therefore, when God comes to us and asks us, get this, to make changes in our life in the area of money, we do okay making some initial changes, but rarely do those changes last because we are approaching the issue from a completely different perspective than God approaches it. And so it's no wonder that we can't maintain that kind of change and change for good because we need God to transform our thinking. And I'm not talking about just about money, really about so many issues in life. And when we do that, that's when we can actually begin to change for good. <clears throat> now, Paul tell the, tells the Ephesians and tells us a second thing. There's a second thing that he says in this passage, and it's number two. I cannot change. God makes the change. I can't change. God's the one that makes the change. In Ephesians 4.23, the Bible says this. Same verse, Ephesians 4.23, it says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now, I want you to circle, let the Spirit renew, and then somewhere in the margin, I want you to write the word passive. Write the word passive. The New Testament was written in Greek, and if you were to look at this verb renew in the Greek language, you would realize it's a passive verb. And what that means is that the action is done to you, not by you. It's done to you and not by you. And the implication is, is that you're not the one that can change your way of thinking. That, that, that's something that only God can do. Your role is to not stiff arm God. Your role is to allow him to change your way of thinking, not fight him. I mean, so really, you need to pray, God, I have tried, and I have failed. I cannot change, so I need you to reshape my way of thinking to the way that you think about this issue, whatever that issue is. See, so here's, here's the thing. Like, you can change your outsides. Like, you can do that. You can change, you know, where you go, what you do, what you say. You can change all that kind of thing. But those changes will only be temporary changes until you decide to allow God to change you from the inside, to change your way of thinking. And when you allow him to change you on the inside, then making changes on the outside, it really will. It'll be just as easy as take, putting on and taking off a piece of clothing because you see it the way that God sees it. You think about it the way he thinks about it, okay? And, and honestly, this is a huge reason why at some point in time in your life, you have to become a Christ follower. Because here's the thing, you will never align your thoughts with God until you align your life with God. You'll, you'll never be able to align your thoughts with God unless you align your life with God. 
And the first step to doing that is asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. See, look, Jesus died on a cross so that he could pay the penalty for all of your sin. And if you would ask him to come into your life, you would ask him to forgive you, and then you ask him to take over. Look, Jesus doesn't come into your life just to make sure that you go to heaven and make you feel better about yourself. He comes into your life to take over your life. And so when you accept him as the Lord of your life or the director of your life, it's at that point that God will begin to realign your thinking with his line of thinking. He will help you realign your life with the life that he's always wanted you to live. So let me, let me ask you, has there ever come a time in your life when you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and take charge of your life? Because look, Jesus doesn't want to just be a part of your life and that he's just a part of what you do on Sunday. Jesus wants to have a part in every part of your life, every area of your life. He wants to take over and so that he transforms your way of thinking so that he transforms you on the inside and then that works out into how you live on the outside. So literally God changes you from the inside out. That's what he's saying here. So please, look, if you've never prayed a prayer to become a Christ follower, maybe you're not even sure if you've ever prayed a prayer to become a Christ follower. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Take a few moments. Pray that prayer right now. Choose to become a Christ follower today. Now, for those of us that have prayed that prayer before, then this Asking God to change our thinking, we have to realize that's something that God does in us, and that, and that is what changes our actions. So would you be willing to pray and ask God to transform your way of thinking? Literally, would you be willing to pray, God, please, I've tried, I've failed, would you please transform my way of thinking on how I think about this? Would you be willing to pray that today? Nothing will change for good until you do. All right, let's wrap it up with this third thing. Here's the third thing that Paul and God says to us today. He says, changes in my thinking don't happen just once. They happen again and again. They happen again and again. Same verse, Ephesians 4.23. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I want you to underline the word renew. Same verb, verb. Because look, not only is this verb passive, but Paul carefully writes this word in such a way where it is also describes an action that God doesn't do just once, he does it over and over and over again. It doesn't happen just once, he does it repeatedly. You see, God in his mercy, he doesn't just turn over everything in your life all at once. I think that, I mean, the truthfully, I don't think many of us could withstand that amount of upheaval. But God, in his mercy, he takes one area of life at a time, and he begins to renew our thinking. And then he moves to the next area, and then the next area, and the next area. That's why Paul deliberately writes this, this way. Because look, Change when it comes to God is not a one and done event. It's a start and keep going process. That's what he's saying here. So look, God loves you too much to allow you to stay the same. But there's, 
places in our life that we try to keep God at arm's length because if, if he were to deal with that, there's too much pain, there's too much embarrassment, or there's too much anger associated with it. And so what God sometimes does is he'll move on to the next area and then another one, but he'll always circle back to that area and you'll feel him from time to time tap on your heart. And he'll say, hey, are you ready for me to deal with that? Are you ready for me to help you realign your way of thinking about that and about what happened? Are you ready for me to reshape your thinking about that issue? And if we're not, God's patient, but I promise you, he'll come back to it. Why why would God do that? I mean, why would God just leave well enough alone, alone for heaven's sake? I'll tell you why. It's because God is not that interested in making you a better person. God is far more interested in making you after his image. He has such a higher standard for your life and that if you would allow God to begin to reshape your thinking about all of these areas of your life, then you can become a person that is more crafted into his image. And that way when someone else intersects your life, they'll do more than just say, wow, what a nice guy. Or she's so fun to be around. They'll say, wow, that person clearly is different. That person looks more like what I think a Christian would look like than anybody I've ever met. And then if someone were to come along behind and they were to perform some sort of a survey and they would say, you know what, 70% of the population claims to be a Christian. And I truth this, I don't really know about all these other people, but I can tell you, I know him, I know her, and whenever I look at their life and I see what God has done in their life, it is clear clear that God has done something amazing there because that person looks and acts like what you would think a Christian would. And it's because you most accurately reflect God's image because you've allowed him to change different areas of your life because you allowed him to change your thinking to his way of thinking about those different areas of your life. And that's how change lasts and that's how God changes you from the inside out. It's huge. Now, thankfully, in this passage in Ephesians, Paul gives us five specific areas of life that God wants to reshape our thinking in. And we're going to talk about those for the next five weeks. So we're going to talk about anger, work, our words, forgiveness, and next week, we're going to talk about lies. It's going to be amazing. Make sure that you're here for that. Let's all pray. Bow your heads. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that that you love us way too much to just allow us not to change. But you're not interested in just a temporary change. You're interested in us changing for good. And and you've laid out the way, and I, I want to say thank you, God, just from me, to say thank you for laying out the way that you, how I can change for good. And I thank you for laying it out for everybody here too. And for those that prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the very first time, that you would start that change and you would let it continue so that they, that change lasts. And for all the rest of us, I ask that you would help to reshape our thinking 
about the areas of our life that you've been wanting to change for a long time and that that would start today. I love you. Bring us back next week and ask you to do this all in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.